Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Jeff Moger, and I'm an elder presently on session here at the barn, and I have the opportunity to preach today. This day is the second Sunday in Advent, and last week our youth ministry director, Will Downey, gave us an introduction to this sermon series titled The Beat Poets of the Incarnation. I hope you were here last week, but if you weren't, you can listen to his sermon on the church website. It was, it was excellent. The Beat Poets of the Incarnation. So who were the Beat Poets? According to PoetryFoundation.org, they were a group of American poets who emerged after World War II with a disillusioned view of Western culture that had fostered the atrocities of the war. They were the countercultural poets who helped define the baby boomer generation. The name evokes, you know, the name Beat Poets evokes a weariness and down and outness. And it is that image that reminds us of the three women we are covering in this series. It is the down and outers that have the privilege of heralding the incarnate Son of God. Not the big leaders of the day, not the religious, political, or business leaders, but women and shepherds and old men. All individuals of no great consequence other than faithfulness to their God and His promises. Last week, Will spoke to us about one beat poet, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist and close relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We looked at her peace in the face of an unlikely promise that she will have a baby in spite of her advanced years. We saw her have joy while celebrating with her cousin, and we shared her hope of the fulfillment of God's promises. Today, we will look at Anna, the prophetess. And next week, Matt will look at Mary and continue the series. Advent means the arrival or appearance of something. It also means a coming into use or being. The Messiah is arriving on earth in human form. The Lord is coming into the world he has created to save it. On another side note, last week Will confessed to being a little bit crazy about all the things related to Christmas. He loves it. Well, full disclosure, my wife and uh, my children will tell you that I'm probably on the other end of the Christmas spectrum. I enjoy it. Celebration of the arrival of the creator of the world in human form is certainly worth being excited about. But when it comes to all the other stuff about Christmas and how we celebrate it, well, I can be a little bit grinchy. But in regards to the glitter, Will, I absolutely agree with you. It, it has to go. This week, we are still looking at the Christmas story, as told in the book of Luke. So let's read the words of Luke 2, chapter 2. They may be familiar to some of you, but maybe not so familiar to some of your others. So please take out your Bible or your device and open to Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And follow along as I read. I'll be reading from the ESV, but later on in the sermon I want to say a couple of quotes from the message, which is the, the paraphrase by Eugene Peterson that puts, uh, puts the Bible in very modern language. So Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 38 in the ESV. 
And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolidation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit in the temple, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce, your, will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Let's pray. As we sang, come, come Holy Spirit, minister to us as we open your word together. Fill these words with clarity and insight. Draw us closer to you during this Advent season. Amen. I want to break these verses up by looking at the individuals kind of prominent in each section. Luke begins in verses 22 to 24 by telling us more about Joseph and Mary. We learn they are devout followers of God. In the previous verses, they have brought Jesus to be circumcised on the eighth day as was required by Jewish law. Here, they bring him again to the temple in Jerusalem on the 40th day of his life to be presented for purification. Both he and Mary are required to do this. This family is devout. Over the past month or so, they have traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem and now to Jerusalem to fulfill the law all done while being very pregnant or with a newborn baby. Not easy. We also learn that though they were, uh, that we also learn that they are also very poor. 
The Lord, the, the law called for sacrifice of a lamb as part of the purification process, but it also allowed for a cheaper substitute if the family was poor. Mary and Joseph bring the cheaper substitute, two turtles, turtle doves, or pigeons as that. And with this action, they are publicly declaring their poverty. This pair are not the political, religious, or economic power couple of the first century Galilee. They are humble but pious people who respond with obedience to their God. In the middle section, verses 25 to 35, we learn about Simeon. According to Luke, Simeon is righteous and also devout, waiting for the consolidation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Like Joseph, like Joseph and Mary, it is clear that Simeon is a disciplined follower of God. Secondly, he is also waiting for the consolidation of Israel, according to the ESV. The message here uses a different phrase. It says that Simeon, quote, lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. Simeon lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. I like that phrase and I'll say more about it later. Thirdly, we learn that he has the Holy Spirit upon him. He has a powerful anointing of the presence of God for this particular moment in time. Lastly, Simeon is also waiting for the fulfillment of a private promise from the Lord. The Lord has revealed to him that he will not die until he has seen the Messiah. With the arrival at the temple of the baby Jesus, the Spirit leads him into the temple this day and reveals to him that this private promise is now fulfilled. It's hard to imagine the level of excitement that Simeon must have felt as he held the Savior of the world in his hands. His voice must have quivered with emotion as he spoke his words of thankfulness to the Lord. The Spirit upon him carried him through. His words must have been a shock to all involved, to the many people who would have been milling about in the temple, to the new parents who are closely listening to his blessing. Words like salvation, light to the Gentiles, and glory to Israel must have caused confusion to all who heard it, who is this child? We're told that Joseph and Mary marveled at his words. I bet they did. And they added them to all the other words and the events that had occupied them for the past 10 months. The message again says they were speechless with surprise at these words. And Simeon wasn't done yet. He then spoke directly to Mary and said even more challenging words. Something like, this baby of yours is going to cause great turmoil in the world and in the hearts of men, and your soul, Mary, will be pierced as if by a sword by your son. I am sure that these words caused not only more marveling, but also some serious concern for Jesus' mother. Simeon now exits the scene as the next beat poet takes center stage. Verses 36 to 38 are about Anna. What do we know about her? 
Not much. She, as she is mentioned nowhere else in scripture. We are immediately ref, uh, informed that she is a prophetess. Her father was a man named Phanuel. She is of the tribe of Asher. Her lineage is secure, if not overly impressive. What we learn most about her, of course, is her age. She is old, married for seven years, and has been a widow since then, and is at least 84 years old. She has been a widow for a very long time. But instead of letting her loneliness define or defeat or dominate her, she's been busy, not wasting time. We're told that Anna spends her time worshiping at the temple every day and every night. Her worship involves fasting and prayer. Followers of Jesus today partake in fasting too. Fasting was practiced both individually and corporately during the time of Israel and the establishment of the church. It was used to express grief, repentance, or humility. It is often used to secure some guidance or direction from God. You may remember that Jesus fasted for 40 days at the time of the beginning of his public ministry. Fasting is used at the barn by leadership and by regular members of the congregation for similar purposes. Anna's fasting may allow her to be sensitive to the movement of God's spirit at the temple and in her own life. Anna also prays. Prayer takes many forms in scripture and in the life of the church today. We have prayed corporately already this morning as part of our worship. You may pray before a meal. You may pray long prayers asking for the Lord to intercede in a particular situation. You may pray short prayers for strength or direction. You may practice listening prayer. Prayer is talking to our Heavenly Father and listening to Him. He asks us to pray and Jesus teaches us how to pray and how not to pray. Followers of Jesus are people who are marked by the habit of prayer. It is this commitment to worshiping, that, worshiping God that allows Anna to be clued in to the most exciting day of her life, the day God reveals His Messiah to her. The day God reveals his Messiah to her. What a moment for this woman. She responds to this revelation with thanksgiving and with proclamation. She thanks God and I can only imagine it was not a quiet thanks. Then she tells all the people she can about what God has done. Is there a better response to the work of God than thankfulness and telling others? She can't hold it in the good news comes busting out of her. In looking at Anna, I want us to take stock of a few more observations. Elizabeth last week, Simeon and Anna this week are waiting. Waiting is hard, but waiting is a common human condition. I teach history, and in England, women had to wait almost 100 years from the time men began getting the right to vote, 1832, until all women got the right to vote in 1928. A hundred years of waiting. 
We all wait. Every day we wait. Can we learn to wait well like these beat poets have done? Waiting on the Lord is difficult. We pray and we wait for a change in our circumstances. We wait for the healing of a loved one. We wait for salvation for a family member. Waiting can be the period between the promise of God and his fulfillment of that promise. It was for Elizabeth and Simeon personally and for Israel as a nation. God will keep every promise in the fullness of time. His time, not ours. God has promised to renew all things in this world. He will do it. We wait for that renewal. Let us learn to wait well. The message described this waiting two times in the passage, adding the words expectancy in verse 25 for Simeon, and then expectantly in verse 38 for Anna. We know that Elizabeth and Mary were also waiting expectantly. All four of them knew that the wait would end after nine months or some other time after that. Waiting is easier if you expect that it will end at some point. Can we wait with perseverance and endurance? God will respond. God will keep his promise. Anna has learned to wait well. Anna also has the wisdom of age. Men's ministry here at the barn this past year has been studying the various stages of being a father. The final stage is called being a sage. Being a sage can come with age. Anna is, is not a father, but I think she is a sage. She may be overlooked in society. She may be a down-and-outer who is pitied or tolerated or even looked down upon by others. But she is a herald of the Messiah. She is a herald of the Messiah. She spends her nights and days wisely and she recognizes the Savior of the world and then goes and tells all she can about it. She is a sage. Are there people in our circle who we tolerate or pity? Who do I look down upon? Lord, forgive me for that attitude and let the wisdom of age be appreciated and activated here at the barn. Anna has the wisdom of age. Finally, we can notice that Anna is attentive to the whispers of God in her life. Anna's in the temple on a busy day of purification for mothers and their sons. It is potentially a, a very chaotic scene. Simeon has been prompted by the Spirit to take note of this special boy. Anna is attentive as well. Perhaps it was the Spirit or maybe the words of Simeon, but she understands that something special is going on. She doesn't miss it. She hears the whisper of God amidst, amidst the chaos. I wonder if there were people there that day that did miss it. Probably. Let us not be too busy 
to miss the prompting of God in our lives. Let our minds be attuned to the whispers of the Lord. This reminds me of the story of the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah, if you know the story, was, was having a really bad day when God decided to reveal himself to Elijah. God sent a powerful wind, an earthquake, and even fire. But God was not in any of those, we're told. Then he came to Elijah in a gentle whisper. Elijah didn't miss the Lord that day, and neither did Anna. So, here we are this morning, worshiping, waiting. Maybe we have the wisdom of age, but we're overlooked. Maybe we want to hear the whisper of God. Maybe you aren't doing any of those things. If you're a follower of Jesus, though, I encourage you to persist and persevere in following him, following him in waiting on him, in waiting well on him. Christian author Henry Nouwen is writing, in, in writing about waiting, quoted an earlier French author who said, quote, waiting patiently in expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life. Waiting patiently in expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life. He went on to say that the root word for patience actually means to suffer. That surprised me. Maybe it shouldn't have. Part of waiting may involve suffering. Nowen continues with the thought that without patience, our expectation degenerates into wishful thinking. Without patience, our expectation degenerates into wishful thinking. Let us wait. But let us wait patiently with expectancy, like Anna did. If you're here this morning and not a follower of Jesus, then I encourage you to continue to question and to seek truth. Look to the wise sages that are around us for guidance. Look to Anna, an old widow who was perhaps overlooked by those around her, but not by the Lord. He used her to herald in the Messiah, his son, the savior of the world that we celebrate today and during this Advent season. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for coming to your humbled children as a humble child. We celebrate the miracle of the Incarnation this morning. Thank you for using the down and outers of the first century to herald your arrival, your advent. Teach us how to wait well for your return and your renewal of all things. Amen.